Hey, Redemption family, thanks for tuning in today. We hope this message encourages you. Be sure to tune in live on Sundays at 1030 a.m. at rttnchurch.com. And um, I want to talk today on this thought, continue to drill down into this series on having a spiritual radar, recognizing and discerning associations and relationships in our life. And I want to go a little bit deeper this week than I did last week. Last week we talked about team, and we're still spiking footballs around here. Amen? I said we're still spiking footballs around here, and we're still celebrating the good things of God. But I want you to look at Luke chapter 5. Um, and we're going to look at verse number 17. Now, you'll find the same story over in Mark chapter 2, and I debated on which text to use. Uh, I like Mark 2, and I like Luke 5 both, but I'm going to read from Luke today, the fifth chapter. You might keep your finger on Mark 2, because I may mention a couple of things uh, from that text. But look at verse 17. Let's read this together. Today, I'm going I'm to let Garth Brooks help us title this. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, I've got friends in low places that's the most spiritual title you ever heard in your life right there friends in low places that's what I want to talk about today having friends in low places uh, let's look at verse 17 and read it together now it happened on a certain day as Jesus was teaching that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee Judea and Jerusalem and the power of the Lord was present to heal them then behold, men brought on a bed a man who was paralyzed, whom they sought to bring in and lay before him. And when they could not now find how they might bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the housetop and let him down with his bed through the tiling into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, Jesus said to him, Man, your sins are forgiven. How many have an NIV translation you're reading? It says, friend, your sins are forgiven. How many know Jesus is a friend that sticks closer than a brother? Friend, your sins are forgiven. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this that speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But Jesus perceived their thoughts. He answered and said to them, Why are you reasoning in your hearts? Which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, rise up and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, Jesus said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. And immediately he rose up before them, took up what he had been lying on. How many know that's a good place to praise God? And he departed to his own house, glorifying God. They were all amazed, and they glorified God and were filled with fear, saying, We have seen strange and awesome things today. Friends in low places. Pray for me, I'll pray for you. Jesus, how grateful we are to be among the family of God today different walks of life, different places, different cultures, different ethnicities, yet because of your blood, we are one. You have made us one. We are one family, and we serve a God, the living God, the only true God. And to you be the glory today for what you're going to do in this house. I pray in Jesus' name you'll breathe life on the preaching so that everyone who's listening and hearing may receive the word and mix it with faith. May the word of God not fall to the ground, but may it enter our heart as good seed sown on good soil. And I thank you for the harvest of righteousness that we will reap as a result of having heard your word today. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. So, just to be totally transparent and totally honest, um, these kinds of subjects are just a bit outside of my modus operandi. Uh, it's not very frequently that a Dr. Phil anointing comes on me um, to talk about relationships and to talk about life and to talk about people and how to interact with them. Uh, but, but I recognize this again, as I said in the introduction, 
that relationships are a very big deal. Relationships are a very significant part of your journey. If you and I don't master um, the art of knowing how to steward relationships, how many know it can get our life in a really big mess? Anybody ever gotten in a mess because of a bad relationship? Anyone ever entered into some turbulence because of how we steward, stewarded a relationship? Well, much of the turbulence and the stress we experience in life is in the territory of relationships. You can actually be good with God and yet be heavy and depressed because of an inability to properly steward relationships with people. And this, this little series, three sermons long, this series on the radar, I felt like God touched my heart. I preached about this about three years ago. And it was at a time when I personally was going through relational drama and relational tension and relational stress. And God began to speak to me about the radar of my own heart and discerning the people that were coming in and the people that were going up. How many have ever seen a radar? It looks something like that. I don't know if you've ever seen a radar, but a radar works in a unique way. Uh, usually in our military, and how many are thankful for all of those military servicemen and women that provide protection so that we can live in the land of the free and the home of the brave, amen? Usually military men and women who sit at a radar are looking at the incoming and the outgoing objects on the screen. And they're trying to determine, is that an, a, an enemy vessel? Is that a friendly vessel? Is that one of us? And they're looking at these objects fly in. They're watching these objects fly out. And they're trying to recognize and discern who is coming in on the radar. And the intention is that the radar provides a warning. It provides um, an idea of what's approaching so that we can be kept safe with all of our military strength and arsenal. It takes radars and it takes people who understand how to discern those radars to know who's coming in and who is going out. Much like that radar that you would see on a movie or in some battleship or even in some plane, much like that radar, you and I need a spiritual radar in our heart because there are people that come in and out of our lives. And if you don't know and I don't know how to properly discern and recognize who's coming in to our lives and who's supposed to be leaving our lives, if you're not careful, you can treat people incorrectly and you can miss the assignment and the intent of that person coming in or out of your life. And what God wants us to do is develop a radar. Say radar. If you don't have an accurate and active relationship radar in your life, you can treat people incorrectly and get yourself in a mess. You need to know who's coming in and out of your life. If you're taking notes, write it down. Number one, there are acquaintances. Everyone say acquaintances. Acquaintances are not people you are intended to go deep with. Acquaintances are people you shake hands with, you put your hand on their shoulder, you say hello. You may even exchange niceties with an acquaintance. But most of the time, you can discern pretty quickly if there's someone you want to connect with or someone you want to keep as an acquaintance. Acquaintances are not people that are in the deep end of your life, and quite frankly, they're not people that you want to be in the deep end of their life. They're, they're people that you're just passing by. You're shaking hands with, you're getting to, knowing, getting to know a little bit. You may never meet them again. They're just acquaintances. You haven't checked them out. You don't know their history. You don't know their past. You don't know if they were a felon or if they had a misdemeanor. You don't know anything about them. They're just an acquaintance. And then there are associates. Acquaintances are people that you don't know so well, but associates are a little bit deeper. Uh, these are people that want a relationship with you because they have a motive and an intention in the relationship. They want something you have. They want something that you're connected to. They want something that you are, um, uh, that is available because they know you. They really don't care anything about you. And they're not bad enough to be enemies, but they're not trustworthy enough to be friends. And, and, and you've got to know associates when they come into your life because associates will often rotate in your life. Different seasons require different associates. 
And if you try to keep people in your life that were seasonal and you want them to stay forever, oh Lord, I'm getting ready to make some people nervous. If you're not careful, you will try to build your future with associates and associates will reveal in time that they never really cared about you. They only cared about being connected to you for what you could give to them. This is why a single lady, all the single ladies, all the single. This is why the single ladies have got to make sure you don't marry an associate. I didn't get no help right there. And brothers, you got to be careful you don't marry an associate. Because just because they want something you got don't mean that they're supposed to be the one you spend the rest of your life with. How far down that road do I want to go? Associates. But beyond associates are friends. Friends. Most of us, if we're really genuinely honest, we can count our true friends on two hands. Now, I know you don't want to be like that, and I know some of you are sitting by people who you want to think are your best friend, and you want them to think you are their best friend. But the reality of it is, if you sat here and take inventory long enough, you would find there's really, I'm not talking about people that are kind and nice. No, no, there's more than 10, but people who we can really call. I'll never forget when God gave us in this church a $4 million miracle. In one day, God gave us a miracle that changed the trajectory of this church. In one day, God paid off the debt. In one day, God funded the dreams. In one day, a miracle changed our lives. And I, Pastor Richie, it's a shame for me to admit this, but I didn't know who to call. Now, I know some folk that I could have called had I been in jail. I know a few people I could have called had my marriage been in trouble. I know some folk I could, but I, I really sat down and had to think for five minutes, who can I call and share this good news with? And you would say, well, you could have called me. Yeah, but see, I don't know if you're going to hate me for my blessing. Have you ever been so blessed by God that you didn't know who you could talk to? And oh, I'm not talking about the mess. There are a lot of people who will be there for me when life is falling apart. But I need some friends who know what it's like to celebrate when God opens a door that no man can shut and blesses me good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. The Bible said that the sons of the prophets were with Elijah as he was taken up. There are a lot of people that are with you when you're heading down. But I need some people who stick with me when God decides to elevate and open doors and bless my life. Anybody in here ever had a hard time finding a friend like that? You have associates, you have acquaintances, and you have friends. And if you don't have a spiritual radar, you will treat acquaintances like friends. Selah. You will treat associates like friends. You will give your heart to people that don't like you for you. They like you because of what you have. And when you don't have what they like anymore, y'all not helping me preach. When you run out of what attracted you them to you, then they leave you high and dry. And you start crying because you thought they were your friend. But they were never your friend because they never liked you for who you were or where you were going. They only liked you because you had something for them. Look at your neighbor. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, be careful who you let in your inner circle. How are you going to marry somebody and you don't know if they can even balance a checkbook? How are you going to marry somebody and you don't even know their job history? Oh, well, she's fine. I don't care. Beauty is fleeting. In 30 years, it ain't going to look like that anymore. And you're still going to be stuck with that non-working. Oh, y'all not going to help nobody. But I'm trying to help you today to understand you need a radar. I just got three people set free right there. I could end this whole thing and we go home right there. 
We need a radar. <laughs> I've seen some sisters in here. Yeah, Lord, you need a radar. And there's some sweet ladies in here and brothers in here, you in your mid-30s or early 30s and, and the devil torments you because you're not married yet. Let me help you. Let me help you. Let me set you free. You would rather be single with Jesus, able to hang in the house, than having married a fool and mistake. Radar. Boop. 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 Warning. Warning! Plays video games 13 hours a day. Warning! Warning! Can't keep a job. Warning! I'm not getting no help. I came to be real. And you wonder why I'm teaching this? Because my office is across the street. And I have to sit down with people every other week and try to talk them into keeping a marriage that they should have never got into in the first place. Warning! And I see, oh, it's so wonderful. I see engaged couples squirming right now. Oh, my God, I knew this was wrong. <laughs> Hear me. We need a radar. And we need to be able to discern acquaintances. Can I share some transparent stuff with y'all? I've gotten myself, and Devin, I don't want you to say nothing. Don't you sit down there and say, amen. <laughs> I told him. I have got myself in the greatest relational stress because I wanted people who were nothing more than acquaintances and associates to be my friends. And I poured my pearl out. Y'all know what I'm talking about. I'm watching this thing. Everybody's like, Ooh, get an offering. Get another offering for this sermon. Come on here. How much time have we spent crying over relational turbulence that God never intended for us to engage in? Now, 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 let me, uh, so, so that you do not leave here with a cynical, mad, mean attitude toward people. May I please submit to you that this whole issue of radar must be perceived and understood under the umbrella of love and long-suffering. I am not giving you permission to categorize people in ways that make you hateful and push them away. Because even Jesus loved the people that were out to kill him. Have you ever noticed in John's gospel that when Judas came to betray Jesus, Jesus didn't rebuke Judas and call him an enemy. He kissed him and called him a friend. Radar. How could Jesus understand Judas not to be an enemy and instead call him a friend? How could Judas be a friend even though he's getting ready to betray Jesus? It's because Jesus' radar was so perfectly accurate that even when Judas came to set Jesus up for death, he knew that in the end, Judas really became accomplice of resurrection. You got to be careful who you pushed out of your life because you didn't think they liked you. They were necessary. I'm messing with y'all's faith right now. They were necessary for what's next in your life because had the haters not shown up, there never would have been a table prepared because tables only get prepared in the presence of my enemy. I had to have an enemy. Your job had to have an enemy. Without the enemy at your workplace, you'd have never got the promotion. I'm moving on. Radar. Radar. Jesus was so perfectly accurate in his ability to discern and recognize that even his enemies could be called friends when he knew that they were accomplices in his resurrection in the future. Does that make sense? 
So this story, where does this story come from? See, I'm halfway done. This is great. This story today is about true friends. This story is about true friends. I talked about true friends celebrate, but, but true friends have the ability to leverage what they have for your blessing and benefit. Now, if you're the man on the mat, you shouldn't feel entitled to the help of your friends. You should be grateful, but they don't owe you anything. This is where we get nervous in making friends. Just because I'm your friend doesn't mean I have to be your best and only friend. This man is in a mess. He's paralyzed. Another way of saying it, in 2020 vernacular, he was stuck. Literally at the help and at the mercy of others. Everywhere he got in life, he had to have help to get there. And there's a couple things about true friends. I'm going to see how far we get into this today. But there's a couple of things about true friends you need to know. And you need to be able to discern this. You need to take inventory. Look at your neighbor and say, take inventory. You have to take inventory of people who you feel like are your friends. Check their fruit and behavior out. This man is stuck. And the first thing that we see about true friends is that true friends will leverage their strength to position you to move on. Because all of us, please hear me if you don't hear nothing else I say, all of us will get stuck at some time in life. Oh, that right there needed a decent clap. Just a decent clap. But that was a decent point. All of us will get stuck. I didn't say some of us. I didn't say the crazy folk. I didn't say the ones that, that, that are here and there and everywhere. I said the real strong Christians that have been serving God for all their life. Everybody at some point in their life is going to get stuck. And the Bible said in the book of Ecclesiastes, two are better than one. For if one falls in the ditch and gets stuck, the other has the power to bring them out. That's why God told Adam, it's not good. Oh, I, I wish somebody would catch what I'm saying today. It's not good, Adam, for you to be alone. Why? Because you're going to get stuck somewhere in your future. But I'm going to take a rib out of your side and give you a helpmeet, and she's going to be an easer. Oh, I know my Hebrew. The Bible calls Eve an easer, and it also speaks of God being an easer. God, the warrior. Eve, the warrior. In other words, I'm going to give you an easer, Adam, because you're going to get in some fights and in some struggles and in some ruts, and you're not going to be able to get yourself out. But if you've got the right kind of somebody in your life, if you'll be surrounded by real friends, two are better than one because when one falls down, the other one helps them up. Can anybody in here today give thanks to God for the people in your life who've been there when you needed a lift? I mean for real praise God for just a minute for the people that didn't bail out on you Adam it's not good for you to be alone these men leveraged their strength to help their friend get in a position of restoration and resurrection I want you to know today, you have to look at this subject from both sides. Are you being a true friend to people? And are there people in your life that are a true friend to you? If you want to know how do I determine if they're a true friend, are they leveraging their strengths to help you in times of need? And I'm not talking about you calling them every time you need some money. Boy, I know how to kill a shout. I need you to be my friend. I need some money. You don't need a friend. You need a job. And I'm going to help you find one. A true friend to help a person find a job. 
That's mean, Pastor. No, that ain't mean. Oh, God, don't do it to me. Be careful. Just look at your neighbor and tell him, be careful. A true friend will leverage their strength to help position you to move forward. If you're a true friend, I'm going to reverse it. If you're a true friend, you will leverage your strength to help your friends move forward when they get stuck. Aren't you glad we're not all weak at the same time? Can you imagine if we came in here on a Sunday and we was all weak at the same time? I thought like this. Pastor, why did you go up there, you and Pastor Devin, and all them people dancing, and Tobin's hair flopping, and Tori up there hollering at me, and we got all these lights going on, and we always exhorting and encouraging. Why y'all do that? Because you might be strong, but there's some people who came to church, and they had the weak from hell. And when you've had the weak from hell, you don't need to come to a place that agrees with the attack against you. You need to come to a house that'll speak and prophesy life, even when the devil tried to surround you with death. You come in here on Sunday, I'm going to preach and I'm going to declare and we're going to decree and we're going to rebuke devils and bind the assignment of the enemy and tell you if God be for you, who can be against you? A friend will leverage their strength to put you in a position to move forward. A friend will take risk for you. <laughs> what are you talking about? They, y'all, they took the dude to the front door of the house where Jesus was. Read Mark 2 and Luke 5. They took the man who was stuck and paralyzed to the front door. These four people are for real friends. Because when they got to the house and tried to take him in, the house was overflowing with people. Most friends would have been like, yo, I got to get to the mall. There's a sale at Foot Locker. Or there's a sale at the Louis Vuitton store. They don't go on sale, but you know what I'm saying. We got to go shopping. We got to get to the boat. We got to get to the golf course. Come on, don't sit out there and act like you got friends that sacrifice. But have you ever had some friends that when they felt opposition to your breakthrough, instead of accepting the report that we can't get into the place where God is, we're going to find another way. True friends get creative and take risk. You need some people who will not agree with what it looks like. They refuse to accept the optical thing that is being presented. And when everybody else would have dropped you and walked off and left you on the outside, true friends will say, hang on, I got an idea. Touch your neighbor, tell a neighbor, watch this. I got an idea what you're going to do. I'm getting ready to do something I've never done before because this man means more to me than him laying on a mat for the rest of his life. How many are thankful for the people that walked with you and took some risk and got creative when it looked like it wasn't going to happen? They refused to accept that report. Look at somebody tell them, I got an idea. Kids got hooked on another drug, I got an idea. Marriage going to hell in a handbasket, I got an idea. Bills can't get paid, I got an idea. School overrun with crime and problems, I got an idea. See, you gotta get creative. There's some people in here who quit too early. I need some friends that'll keep on believing with me. Keep on hanging there with me. I know it looks like I'm never going to get up, but if I got some people, if one can put a thousand to flight, two can put ten thousand to flight, I got all I need right here in my circle. And so the Bible says, they go up on the house. (laughs) And they start tearing the roof off. Risk. Risk. Well, did you get permission for that? No, I'm just tired of watching my friend die. We'll get permission later. We'll get forgiveness later. Right now, 
We need a breakthrough. Tell somebody, tell them breakthrough. 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 I need some people that will agree with me. You better be careful how you treat folk that will agree with you and fight for your breakthrough. You know, them kind of people are rare, and when they come along, you need to thank God for people that are crawling a foxhole with you and roll their sleeves up and tell the devil if it's a fight you want, you have picked on the wrong friend. Oh, yes, we're coming off this mountain and we're coming off with victory. Uh huh. You got to have some people in your life. There have been times in our life where Devin and I didn't need friends that told us what we wanted to hear. We needed friends that could diagnose and discern the darkness that was trying to invade. And instead of them just saying, it's going to be all right, they went into, Father, in the name of Jesus, I bind every demonic force, every power, every principle. I'm telling you, there have been some fights I got in with the enemy. I needed something else besides chicken soup for the Christian soul. Now, I thank God for chicken soup for the Christian soul, but there's been some warfare in my life. I didn't need somebody to come in and grab my hand and, you know, the Lord is showing me you're going to have a nice life. Oh, honey, oh, no, no, no. It ain't just nice. This is not a cruise ship. It's a battleship. I don't just need somebody who will pet me and try to stroke my ego. I need someone who will tell me, you know what? I see hell trying to come against you, but I came to tell you as your friend, no weapon formed against you will prosper. Why are you so excited? Because I got some friends. I'm not standing here today because of how strong I've been. I'm here standing here today because God put some people in my life that when I couldn't see my future, they were able to speak into my spirit and tell me God ain't through with you yet. Oh, Lord, have mercy. I feel like preaching now. I was trying to teach, and I set this table up here to deceive myself into thinking I would sit down and talk to you and give you a Dr. Phil speech, but I feel like tearing something out of the atmosphere today. I feel like God is about to give somebody a breakthrough. I feel like there's some people in here that need to know God ain't finished. In fact, he's just getting started. It ain't over. Stop your neighbor and get on the organ and help me preach. Touch somebody and tell them it ain't over. It ain't over. It ain't over. You couldn't get into the house, but it ain't over. There is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. It ain't over. God's getting ready to send you some people that will contend for your breakthrough. And they go up on the roof. Do you know how I know Jesus didn't get nervous about the dirt falling? Now, he's in this house. He's teaching a good sermon, and dirt starts falling. Do you know what he does? He kept on teaching. Why? Because the breakthrough was part of the service. Lord have mercy. Yes. See, you got to understand, God don't get nervous when 1,300 people start hollering hallelujah. God don't get nervous when people start dancing and praising him. God don't get nervous when somebody hits the organ in A flat. God don't get nervous. Ooh. God don't get nervous when people start shouting unto God with the voice of triumph. God don't get nervous when people are falling in the floor. Why? Because breakthrough is a part of the service. He didn't preach so that the Pharisees could hear what he had to say. He preached until four men broke through and dropped their friend into the midst. I feel the power of God on me right now. Slap your neighbor, tell the neighbor, say, hey neighbor. Breakthrough is a part of the service. God don't get nervous when we get a breakthrough. In fact, he came and he put up with religion until the breakthrough happened. That's getting ready to be a breakthrough in your life. If you believe it, shout yes. They lowered their friend. 
into the presence. I'm through with this. Into the presence of the Lord. They literally dropped him into the presence. If you're going to drop me, I'm getting ready to preach myself into a Holy Ghost fit right here. If you're going to let me down. Oh yeah, I've had some people let me down on this side. They let me down and failed me. They let me down and disappointed me. They let me down and I couldn't trust them. They let me down and they betrayed me. But I'm thankful for the friends that let me down into the presence of the Lord. If you're going to be my friend, if you're ever going to let me down, let me down into the presence of the Lord. Let me down into the middle of the glory of God. Slap your neighbor, tell a neighbor, let me down, let me down, let me down. Let me down into the middle of the glory of God. And when they let him down, Watch this, I'm through, I promise. Athens, are y'all helping me praise God over there? I feel God over here. Do you feel God over there? When they let him down into the midst of Jesus, I thought that Jesus would have immediately said, get up. But that's not what Jesus did. Why? Because Jesus is a real friend. Jesus doesn't just want to put a band-aid on my life. Jesus is the kind of friend that will put his finger on the real issue. Oh, God. A real friend doesn't just say get up and walk because the real friend knows you got baggage. And if you don't deal with the baggage, you can actually get up and still be screwed up. But a real friend is one that said, before I heal you, son, friend, thy sins are forgiven. Why did he forgive sin? Because sin was never mentioned in the story. We don't even know about the man's sin. But Jesus knew about the man's sin. And the most important thing Jesus could have done is not raise him up to walk. It was raise him up in righteousness so that when he started walking, he put one foot in front of the other and started living with a purpose full of the grace of God. Son, thy sins be forgiven. You ready for this? And the Bible says in Luke chapter 5, Jesus did this because of the Pharisees who were standing by. God will work through your problem to teach religious people. <laughs> I better quit on that one. He started working through a man's malady to teach the Pharisees that all power has been given me on earth to forgive sins. Which is harder for me to say, son, thy sins are forgiven? Or rise up and walk. But so that you know the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sin. I say to you, rise up and walk. It was a switch. You thought he was going to say, son, your sins are forgiven. But instead he said, rise up and walk. Because if he had the power to make the lame man get up and walk, he had the power to forgive sins. I want to tell you this, out of all your friends, there is only one friend that sticks closer than any brother. How many ever found him to be counselor? Sometimes I need somebody who don't have nothing to say. They just have the ability to sit and listen. Amen. When's the last time you just sat down 
and talk with the Lord. Well, I would, but you know, I got so many friends. When I start sharing my stuff, they start telling me how to fix it. Jesus ain't that kind of friend. In fact, there's been a number of times, a few times in my life where I sat down and I talked to him about my problem and what I was dealing with and it went on for 30 or 45 minutes. And when I got through, I just heard him whisper to me, are you finished? Because I listened to you all day long. But when I got finished talking to him, He's the kind of counselor and friend. All it took was one little sentence. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Have you ever had him just give you a couple of words? Just a little phrase. And the fear melted. And the pain left. And the confusion subsided. Some of you have trust issues today, and I understand why. But you can trust Jesus. And I just want to declare this over you. I'm going to pray in a moment. But I believe God gave me this word at this time of your life to declare for you on this spiritual radar on the inside. God's removing some people that are calling causing you excessive drama. No, you don't have to clap. You don't have to clap. People that are just intent on draining you. And when you see God start moving them, don't get an attitude. Don't act arrogant. Don't get carnal and start waving by and sending nasty emails. Love them. Bless them as they go. Because God will send you the right people when you have properly treated the wrong people. Let's do this. Let's take care of the most important business we could ever take care of, and that is the business of our soul, the salvation of our life. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed, and everyone stands still for just another moment. When you're in this room and you would say, Pastor Kevin, I need Jesus to be my friend. I need this friend. The greatest friend of any sinner is Jesus hear me? There's never been a friend like Jesus to those who are trapped in sin. 
You can't get yourself out of this pit. You need a friend to get you out. His name is Jesus. I'm counting to three this morning because I believe that that friend has settled on this house and is touching the hearts of people who need him to save them. Now you can make a decision to leave and say no to this friend, but there's someone in this room right now who feels this friend knocking at their heart and they're wanting to let him in and they're wanting to say yes to the Lord. And Maybe you've been in a mess. Maybe you've been in drugs. Maybe you're not. Maybe you're a you're wealthy and you have life going for you and everything's great, but you know you're just empty on the inside. Jesus is a friend to every sinner, no matter how bad the sin and how long they've been doing it. I'm going to tell you right now, the drug addict and the successful businessman will stand before God one day. And it doesn't matter how evil or how bad or how decent our life was. What matters when we stand before God is what we did with this man, Jesus. So in your heart right now, as your heads are bowed and eyes are closed and we're taking inventory of where we are in life, if you're in this room right now and you would say, Pastor Kevin, pray for me. I need Jesus Christ to save me. I want this friend who came to die so that I could live. This friend who came and nailed my sins to a cross. This friend who loves me when I am most unlovable. I feel the Lord working on someone's heart right now. If you're in this room and you need Jesus to rescue you, save you, forgive you, and give you a purpose and a life, when I say three, I don't care what you've been doing and how long you've been doing it. When you hear three, shoot that hand up, say, Pastor, pray for me. I need Jesus to save me today. One, two, three, right now. Yes, 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 yes. I see hands up all over this house. God bless you. You can put those hands down. Here's how we do this in redemption. I recognize that coming down the altar in a place this big can be very intimidating. I don't want anyone to be intimidated because the reality of it is we're a big family. We're all family. So today I want you to look at the person on your left and on your right. I don't care if you've known them before today or you've never met them before. I want you to ask them. You may be sure they're saved and that's great, but I want everyone to help me here and ask your neighbor on your right and on your left, do you need someone to go to the altar and pray? And if you lifted your hand or you know you should have, when they ask you that question, would you come stand with me right now? I am believing in Jesus' name that lost people are coming home today. God bless you, young man. Come on. God bless you, sweetheart. Come on. Come on. There's more. I saw more hands. I don't want to leave like I came. Come on, family. Come on. I need someone to celebrate. They're coming. They're coming. They're coming. They're coming. They're coming. There's room. Come on. This is why we came to church. There is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. My God, church, they're coming. I wish we would praise God. They're still coming. We're going to praise God till they stop coming. They're coming down every aisle right now. Come on. It's time to come home. There is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He'll rescue you today. Come on home. Come on home. Come on home. They're still coming. We keep on celebrating. This is why we came to church today. Come on, sweetheart. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah to your name, Jesus. I want pastors and prayer leaders and staff come help me. I'm, I got so many pastors out of town today, so I'm going to need some elders and deacons, everybody that can. All hands on deck. We got a bunch of people to pray with today. I want the students to come. That's right. I want you to stretch your hands toward the altar, please, family, right now. Can you pray for them like you wish somebody would have prayed for you the day you gave your heart to Jesus? Come on, pray for, pray for them like that right now. Let's pray for a few moments. Let's stretch our hands out toward them. Grace is being extended from heaven today. At the cross, at the cross. was there by faith. Yes. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. 
Sing the hymn again. Come on, at the cross, sing at where I first. I think that's the song all of us can sing and be thankful for. Come on at the cross where I first that's come to this altar today as our leaders continue to pray if you can I want you to listen to me just for a moment we fail you when we tell you that this is the finish line this is not the finish line this is merely the launching pad and from today forward your life will become everything God called it to be if you will daily surrender to the voice of God and His Spirit's leading. I want everyone to stretch your hands toward Him one more time. I want us to pray this prayer over every new brother and sister that's come to Christ today. Jesus, I pray right now for our brothers and sisters who've come to you that today you would give them the grace to daily walk with your Spirit. Let them hear your voice. Oh, God, I pray today for great grace and peace to be upon them. Go before them, Lord. You know that the enemy will come and try to steal, but today I pray you would seal the work of God with the Holy Spirit now. And when they leave this place today, I pray their affections and desires would change as you change their heart. We cover them in prayer and Now we saturate them in love and we pray that you would keep them in all their ways in the mighty name of Jesus. If you're going to pray for our new brothers and sisters and love them and surround them with strength, I want you to give God praise one more time for what he's done in their life today. Come on. Yes. Hallelujah. Listen, I love you all. I want you to go in the peace of the Lord today. I was going to go out and shake hands. I've got to get to the hospital. But I want you to go in the strength of God today. And I want you to to believe God that these new brothers and sisters are going to walk in victory. And I want you to be here Wednesday night. Look at your neighbor say, Wednesday night. 7 p.m. Get here. It's going to be wonderful. God bless you. I love you. Go in the peace of God.